Generation Mix. This is the podcast where a father and a son review the CDs that dad's been making for the son for the last six years or so. I'm the dad, I'm Neil. I'm the son, I'm Joel. And if you picked up on our musical clue, then you've worked out that we are listening to the music of... Dire Straits. And I should say, it's been quite a long gap since our last episode. And part of that is because we have recorded this episode once before and the sound quality was horrible. And so we're recording it again. Whether or not Joel's opinions will have changed in the last month since we recorded it the first time, I doubt. Three months. <laughs> three months. It's not been three months since we tried recording last time, has it? Probably isn't far off. Uh, it's his enthusiasm to not have to record the same thing twice may have delayed it a little bit. Yeah. Let's dive straight in with what I think was actually their biggest hit and happens to be our theme for this episode, Walk of Life. It's a great little pop song. Yeah, outstanding pop, riff. But... Well, it's from mid eighties. I mean, Dire Straits weren't really a pop band. They were kind of like a symphonic rock band, really. Got to number two in the UK, that, and it's from one of the best-selling albums of all time. And in fact, the album that heralded the real start of the CD age, the first album in the UK that outsold the vinyl version on CD, and it was Brothers in Arms, which is an outstandingly good record. You've even got a copy of it, haven't you? I believe so. And have you ever listened to it? Nope. Because you're a heathen. Moving back to a couple of albums before this, from 1980, the album called Making Movies, and they had another hit single from that. It reached the top ten. And this was Romeo and Juliet. Juliet says, hey, it's Romeo. He nearly gave me a heart attack. He's underneath the window. She's singing, hey, like my boyfriend's back. He shouldn't come around here singing up at people like that. Anyway, what you gonna do about it? Juliet, the dice was loaded from the start. Then you exploded into my heart And I forget, I forget The movie song When you're gonna realize It was just that the time was wrong Juliet Love Story's a better song about Romeo and Juliet I can see why you'd say that Because you're a pop fiend Indeed I like Love Story this isn't really about Romeo and Juliet, though. This is about, I think, an ex-girlfriend of his 
Is that Romeo just, and Juliet? Yeah, so. but you just transpose the role titles on them. It's not a, it's not based on the Shakespeare story. Neither is Love Story, really, because <laughs> it has a happy ending. Did you like it, though? Yeah. Oh, now that may be a change. I thought last time we tried recording this, you weren't that keen on it. Ah, maybe things are changing because you're getting more familiar with the songs, which is kind of the point of these CDs, if only you'd listen to them. Should we return to Brothers in Arms for the opening track? And this was... It, it's surprising that this was an opening track to what became a multi-million selling album. Because it's incredibly understated so far. It is understated. That's what I called it earlier on. And I owned Brothers in Arms on cassette. I must have got it when I was 12. It came out in 85, 86. It was an unusual release in that the CD version had the full length of all the tracks. The cassette version replicated the CD and the first half of it is so much longer than the second half that there was a massive gap at the end of the final track. You have to do a lot of fast-forwarding and then get back to the side one again. But the vinyl version, four of the first five tracks got condensed down into shorter versions so it would fit on a vinyl disc. You can't actually... If you buy it on vinyl new now, it's on two discs. Mm -hmm. And indeed, I've got a copy that's on two discs in a half-speed mastered version, <laughs> which I'm quite looking forward to listening to. And I've also kept my second-hand original vinyl because I quite like the idea, the fact that there are two ways that you can experience the album. Like I said, it was the first album where the CD outsold the vinyl, and perhaps the fact that it was the full-length versions might have been part of that. Arguably, it therefore ushered in the age of... CD albums being too long, which is something I think I've commented on this podcast several times before. Definitely just said it to me in the car a lot, complaining about a lot of my favourite artists. Well, they are. 44 minutes is the size of an album when it's done well. Sometimes it goes longer and the sound fidelity is affected. 22 minutes per side. And there's something about the human energy levels and, and psyche that struggles with longer than that. 22 to 24 minutes is mostly what we can handle before we need some physical exercise, which in the old days was get up out of your seat, walk to the player and turn the disc over. And it changes your brain chemistry to a certain extent. Let's move on to their final album. So Brothers in Arms was this massive global phenomenon that sold multi-million copies, one of the best-selling albums of all time in the UK. 
it took them a long time to come up with the follow-up album to it. And it turned out to be their last album. And whilst some people kind of describe Dire Straits as being a little bit po-faced, the next song from that final album kind of suggests that they knew how to have more fun than we give them credit for. It's my party. It's getting a trifle colder. Step inside my home. That's a brass toilet tissue holder with its own telephone. That's a musical doorbell. It don't ring. I ain't kidding. Plays America, the beautiful and tired river. Boy, this punch is a trip. It's okay in my book. Yeah, take a sip. Maybe a little heavy on the fruit. Ah, here comes the dip. You may kiss the cook. Let me show you, honey. It's easy. Look, you take a fork and you spike them. Say that you try these. So bad you like them. The secret's in the cheese. It's casual entertaining. We aim to be. And my party. Do you mean cheese? There's a line about cheese. Well, yeah, the secret's in the cheese. It's all about somebody bragging as they're showing people around in their parties and trying to be an avuncular host. It's tongue-in-cheek. It's ridiculous, and it's just a great fun song, I think. He barely sings in it as well. You notice that? I was kind of like talking it. Do you enjoy it, though? Cheese or otherwise? It was all right. I think all right is what we're going to get out of you most of the time here. Yeah. Do you like it a little bit more than last time we tried recording this podcast? Probably not. In 1978, Dire Straits released their debut album, which was self-titled. Personally, I don't like it. But you are aware of a song from it, aren't you? Am I? Yes. Is it Sultans of Swing? It is Sultans of Swing. Which is not on this CD, and I think is hugely overrated, but... I like it. I wish you did. On the other hand, why would I put Sultans of Swing on when you already knew it and liked it? I didn't when you made this CD. (laughs) Later the same year, they released their second album, and it's the final one that features David Knopfler before he left during the making of Making Movies. It's called Communicate. I... People tend to cite Communique as their weakest album. I don't. I really enjoy this. And this is a track from it. It's Lady Writer.
Did you listen to the guitar work, though? The guitar was good. The the. I don't really need to say that, Dad. Well, you you do. One of the things you have to talk about if you're talking about Dire Straits is Mark Knopfler's guitar work. I mean, he's almost a virtuoso. What's that? There's mean? some well, the the trills and stuff that he puts in when he's playing are amazingly good. I mean, that one in particular on Lady Rider. I mean, Communicate, like I say, gets a bit of a bad rap. But there's a track on there called The News, which is really dark and interesting. Where do you think you're going? Portobello Bell. I think it's a far better album than their debut. But I am very much in the minority about that. I just don't like their debut. It's never, ever grabbed me. And that includes Sultans of Swing. I can listen to Sultans of Swing, but I don't love it in the same way as I do so much more that came later. Returning to making movies for... One of their first true epics. I think it's about a seven and a half to eight minute long song. It kicks off with a little bit from a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical called Carousel. But this is not a carousel, it's the tongue of the earth. Been crazy on a waltz, but it's the life that I choose. Yeah, sing about the six blades, sing about the switchblade, and a torture tattoo. And I've been writing on a ghost train Where the cars they scream and slam And I don't know where I'll be tonight But I'd always tell you where I am In a screaming rain of faces I seen her standing in the light She had a ticket for the races Yeah, just like me She was a victim of the night Well, it is long, but this is why I've said they've sometimes been described as symphonic rock. Because there were movements and sections in the song, almost like classical music. And Tunnel of Love is one of the best exponents and examples of that. You've got the main song, then it does a, it has a breakdown where it kind of drops out to be just bass and drums and, and, and rhythm guitar for a bit. Then it all builds back up again. The, it's sectionally brilliant and and then you've got the extended outro where he just goes off on one and he's soloing and it's just it's fantastic (laughs) it came out in 1980 and however in my opinion it's only the second best song to be written in 1980 although the other one didn't come out until 1982 that is packed with references to other fairground rides. What do you think the one that I think is better is? Uh, Wall of Death. Correct. Richard Thompson's. I adore Richard Thompson's Wall of Death. You know that. Wall of Death is in my top 20 songs of all time. So, yes, I think Wall of Death is better. How? That's my question. Because I like the song a lot. 
But Tunnel of Love is the second best song that references an awful lot of fairground rides in its lyrics. Like the ghost train and the switchback. <laughs> Not as good as Wall of Death. Episode 19, folks, if you want to go back and listen to Joel's least favourite CD so far. You mean least favourite CD and will remain so? Well, I don't know. We've got one coming up in season no, three. No, 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 no. How very dare you. Well, that's called a trail. <laughs> Let's move on then from the Tunnel of Love to a number two hit single, one of the most unusual singles ever to be a massive hit. It's Private Investigations from Love Over Gold, their fourth album. soundtrack maybe a game but i think it's cinematic yeah it I, was... I wasn't saying it wasn't cinematic but i can't see that working in a film i i music in a lot of film music outside of like intro sequences and credits themes is quite held back in terms of dynamics and stuff This would I, I visually when I hear that song. First of all, the private investigations part of the song, the first half, is clearly a story of a private investigator. Mm-hmm. But I see a dark street during that final section. Yeah, 
usually with the rain pelting down, street lamps that are barely lighting it properly, I actually see something when I listen to it. It's visual sound, if that makes sense. It evokes something. I think it's an incredible piece. And it's not surprising that one year later, he was scoring the film Local Hero, mm-hmm. Mark Knopfler, because he no, has got surprised. a cinematic style of music. And I could see that in a bo- that's one we just listened to in a Batman Arkham game. I could see it in a Bond movie, actually. Or a Bond game. <laughs> or maybe... Like I say, a number two hit. I mean, the the balls on the band to release that as the lead single from your new album and get to number two. I think... Big balls. I think what kept it off number one was Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. Let's move on, move on. We're, We're halfway through. There are only 14 tracks on this CD because... They did so many long songs and then epics as well. But let's move on. We're going to go back an album to making movies for a full-on fun rock song called Solid Rock. It's my least favourite track on the whole CD, personally. Don't blame you. It's just workmanlike, formulaic. Let's return to their final album, the one that took so long to record and didn't sell anywhere near as many copies as they might have hoped, but you were never going to follow up Brothers in Arms with anything remotely selling that level. The only person I can think of who's got even close to selling... So many copies of their album after a behemoth is Adele. Mm-hmm. When she released 25. But even that was never going to match the sales of 21. But from on, on Every Street, a really beautiful track that really evoked their the best of their previous work. It's the title track, On Every Street. There's got to be a record of you someplace. you got to be on somebody's books. The low-down picture of your face Your injured looks The sacred and profane Pleasure and the pain Somewhere your fingerprints remain concrete And it's your face I'm looking for On every street I understand why you only consider it an all right song. It's another one that I think is almost a cinematic film feel oh, I to it. I disagree with that one. I think it could, the song itself could sit in a film, but then there's that eight note 
瑞。instrumental section at the end and you should get bored or at least I should get bored of listening to eight notes repeated over and over but somehow I don't what is it about dire straight songs that mean that a riff like that that normally I'd get bored of holds my interest and I still I feel and I feel slightly disappointed when the song ends I mean how can that happen I know you probably don't do you you probably were bored Mm, yeah <laughs> but why why am i not i i complain about things like three chord or four chord songs that just cycle I'm the same fine thing with over. Three, i'm fine with four chord songs i don't like three chord songs most but I, I complain about them because cold play perfect example the same four chords more often than usually not, cycled chords, over and over usually three chords i'm being generous to them now that that three chords is status quo but that's eight notes cycled over and over, and yet it it's just a piece of genius to me. And another great track coming up now from the Love Over Gold album, it's again the title track. I put title tracks back to back for some reason today. I don't know why. But Love Over Gold, this is a song that it took me a long time to not exactly discover, but to really fall in love with. Because it just grew over time. Love over gold. And you go dancing through doorways just to see what you will find. Leaving nothing to interfere with a crazy balance. Funnily enough, just listening to that then, I could hear how similar it was to Private Investigations from the same album. I'd never noticed it quite that before. But then I suppose they're of a piece. They are part of the same album. They're part of the same recording process. Similar themes that he was exploring in his writing. The same mental place, perhaps, in terms of a relationship breakup. It's no surprise that they should sound quite so similar to each other 
But again, it's a beautiful song that builds. And we're sticking with a track from Love Over Gold for the next one. And now this is their true epic. This on the record, I think, was 14 minutes long. The version that's on here is actually from a compilation that came out called Money for Nothing. And it's a live remix that was on the Alchemy live album. And I'm not a great fan of live albums, generally. And I don't particularly rate Alchemy. But I do think the song Telegraph Road is another cinematic genius masterpiece. You liked it. I'm surprised, given the fact how long it is. <laughs> it was too long, but... The Love Over Gold album has only five tracks on it, which shouldn't be surprising, given how long Telegraph Road is. Private Investigation, the original version, is a seven-minute song. So that's 21 minutes and two tracks on one side of vinyl. Then the other side of the vinyl's got two seven-minute tracks, and the shortest thing on it, which is called Industrial Disease, is five and a half minutes. They had a whole load more material and there is possibility that they could have done a double album but they chose not to. Probably the wise thing. One of the tracks they culled was called Private Dancer which they gave to Tina Turner and that spearheaded her comeback. It was the title of her comeback album. Hugely successful. When you listen to it you hear Mark Knopfler's songwriting all over it and you can imagine them potentially doing it but one of the other tracks that I believe was recorded in the sessions, but then held back and released as an EP, which is called the Work and Play EP, is this one. Another hit single. It's Twisting by the Pool. I think you'll find this one fun. I can see why you might say that. I think it sounds more like what it's meant to, which is Chubby Checker, which is the well, twist yeah. and the twist again. It's clearly got an old early rock and roll style and beat to it. It's a daft, silly song. It wouldn't have fitted either lengthwise or thematically on Love Over Gold. That's for sure. Because if there's anything that that song isn't, it's cinematic. There's no way that that is a cinematic song at all. Yeah, I agree. Only a couple of tracks to go. So we're bringing it home with 
Firstly, my favourite Dire Straits track. There's something about this song that gets me in the feels every single time. It's the title track of Brothers and Arms. Now the sun's gone to hell Let me bid you farewell Every man has to die But it's written in the stars In every line in your palm We're fools to make one All our brothers and our I'm cross. Not the, not the worst one so far. What was the worst one? The one that you said was the worst one. Oh, Solid Rock. But not close to my favourite. <laughs> well, it is my favourite. I think it's a beautiful, which I've said several yeah. times about their tracks, amazing piece of music. And it just gets me emotionally. It's, I believe, about the Falklands conflict, which took place in 1982. And it's just a really, really well-written song for me. Let's bring it home by our final track. Before My Revenge. Before Your Revenge. Which isn't actually originally by Dire Straits. Cover! No. Yeah. It is by Mark Knopfler. It's from... The film Local Hero and it's called Going Home. Oh, okay. Instrumental. Yeah. And that means nothing about its overall quality. I heard so that piece. Good. I heard that piece of music before I saw the film. I when I saw the film, 
I was actually disappointed where the way this was used. It's the main theme of the film. It's used but, over the credits. Well, there's a point at which the the protagonist of the film has gone back to the States and left the village in Local Hero where he'd actually kind of pretty much found himself and he had to go home. And it's actually quite sad and melancholy, hence that first section. Mm-hmm. And then the next bit is played over the credits. And it's so joyful to me, that last section, that it felt wrong after he'd been... He was now stuck in America, knowing that his life... He would feel happier and better off back in Scotland. It's, it's actually kind of bummed me out a bit when I saw the film. Mm-hmm. So, that concludes our run through Dire Straits. They disbanded... By which time the only original members left were Mark Knopfler and John Ilsley. After the release of On Every Street and the World Tour. Do you enjoy it? Yeah. Did you enjoy it more listening to the bits this time than you did when we tried recording it a month or whatever it was ago? Probably. Yay! This is what happens. You listen to the things, you like them more. This might mean that I get an ever so slightly better revenge than I was going to get last time. Because it is time for... My Revenge! Okay, what you got? So, my choice this time is not at all relevant to what we've just been doing. Why? Because I couldn't think of anything cinematic outside of game soundtracks and you don't want to hear any more game soundtracks. Well, this isn't a cinema CD that we just No, I know, but it's cinematic. Yeah, okay. Symphonic. I actually did suggest, but hey. Well, I don't have anything symphonic then. Uh, I just want to be part of your symphony. That's not symphonic. (laughs) Um, but I'm just going to give you a Maisie Peters song because okay. she's good. And this is from her first album. You signed up for this and it is John Hughes movie. Okay. I know who John Hughes was. Do you? No. We'll save that thought for later then. This wasn't how it's supposed to go. I should be the one you're dancing with. Spinning with a vodka coke. Everybody at my fingertips. I was gonna get my code And baby you were meant to follow me And I was gonna act surprised Even though I'd know you wanted me It's not like I've been crying, no There's just smoke in my eyes Cause this ain't no So this is from the album, you asked for this, isn't it? You signed up for this. That's it, sorry, you signed up for this. Which I listened to when it came out 2021 as part of my mm-hmm. YouTube channel thing where I was listening to new albums, which I do throughout the year and then pick my favourite albums of the year. And I wasn't impressed by the album. Therefore, this song clearly didn't stand out. However, you've, you have played it to me before. And I actually quite like this. <laughs> and I'm thinking one of the things I'm going to do on my channel before the end of this year is go back and review 
two years on what I picked in 2021 because I think I I think I might have got some of it wrong. As I often do. As I did with 2020. I think I've got, I've got something wrong. And actually, I think I might need to give you signed up for this another listen. Yay. And one of your better revenges, actually. Yay. Well, the no, first time... And, I... and do you know who John Hughes was? A director. But do you know anything that he directed? And you have seen at least one John Hughes film. Movies where the girl ends up with the guy. Well, she's referring to his mid-80s period where he did films like Sixteen Candles and I think he did The Breakfast Club. He may have done Ferris Bueller, but I'm not entirely sure. But his now probably most famous movie is one you've seen. Is it animated? No. It's a Christmas movie. Is it Home Alone? It is Home Alone. Okay. And Home Alone too. With that in mind, you say it wasn't even related to Dire Straits being cinematic. It's a John Hughes movie song. That's why I picked so actually, it. Actually, it's not that far off. Yeah. Well, this concludes our Dire Straits episode, which is episode 40 of the podcast, which also means we've finally, and it's taken us just over two years, completed season two of the podcast. We will be back with another episode soon, so listen out for our regular musical clue. Before we put that on, do you want to cross-promote some stuff? No. But I want to do a role reversal every five episodes as bonus episodes next season. Well, we're going to so have to we're going to have to pick in up that, our pace. Say it on the Facebook page. We're going to have to pick up our pace. Well, there are some I'm actually looking forward to and I actually have things to say about. Well, you're very much looking forward to the first episode of season 3. And I know both of us aren't looking forward to it, but actually I am. The se- the second episode of season 3. Because I have things to say about it. Oh, we both have things to say about it. I have things to say about it. Second episode of season three. I have things to say about it. It's my episode 19. (laughs) I'm really not liking it. I really don't like it. But I have far more to say about it and will have far much more fun than the Richard Thompson. (laughs) Well, we had a guest for Richard Thompson, so don't, don't diss our wonderful guest, Steve Sumner. This is all to come. And thank you so much for listening. We will be back fairly soon with the start of season three. Hopefully. Listen out for a musical clue. And this is Generation Mix signing off. Bye. Bye.